available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everybody, to the Podcast of Champions. At long last, we are returned. I am David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network. And I am Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions. Little time off we took, you know, after uh, signing day and stuff. So hopefully you guys got through without uh, your POC. But we're back, and uh, we're going to talk some spring football we got an exciting show today. We're going to talk about Arizona and Stanford. And uh, we do want to, you know, we'll, we'll get back to our regular show. So if you want to send us some questions about any team on, on the, in the Pac-12 for spring football, you can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at pac12podcast. Our website, pretty easy, pac12podcast.com, or call our voicemail, 641-715-3900, extension 734 nine seven two dave we, we need a voicemail or two to get us through spring football so hopefully we'll get some yeah hopefully we will we will get some kind of voicemails um i imagine we will because lots of people this is the time of year when you start getting excited about football again you start thinking about what the team's going to look like you hear some freshmen are coming in in april you want to hear how they're doing uh so it's a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff like that there's there's a little bit of poc news though ryan there's oh, a little yeah. bit of poc news um uh do, so the Pac-12, we actually have a Pac-12 listener, like a Pac-12 network listener, and it sounds like we're not going to be. Um, what, what what's our line? What, what was our former line? Well, that's still the current line, but yeah, we're, we're going to be changing it. Uh, now available in more homes than the Pac-12 network, we are the podcast of champions. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be removed. But <laughs> this is this is the way of the future. The way of the future. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we've got Jason Shear actually joining us on the line, publisher of Wildcat Authority, to talk some Arizona football. Uh, Jason, how long has Arizona been in spring football so far? They've already been at it for, I believe, this is the, the third week. It's kind of weird because they had, like, three days, and then Richard Rodriguez had to go to a, a Nike thing, and so they took a week off, and then they're... They're back. They they were back for a couple more, and then they took like four days off. So this is the the third week of spring ball already, but it's been pretty spread out so far. Jason, uh, I, I don't know. We have to debate talking with some different people around college football, and they're like, "Wow, Arizona's already been. They started spring football in February, which just seems a little strange." Was there a reason uh, behind that? It's just you know, it gets hot in Arizona. You don't want to go too late into, you know, late April, May, or anything like that. Or what's the What's the reasoning behind having, uh, you know, spring football start in February? Well, Richard had a, a couple reasons. The first one was, in his opinion, with, with the, the rule changes a year or two ago, they're allowed to keep working with kids in the summer and such, so there was no reason to, to make it later. Um, they, they can kind of get it done early and, and evaluate and do some individual work after that and have more time for, for individual work. Um, and, and also, he, he just wanted to to space it out, um, it still ends uh, basically when a lot of other uh, practices end. It's really it's just 
it's really spread out. I mean, they're only practicing like three times a week. Um, but you just, uh, you want to kind of get things going and, and injuries, I think that also play into that. I think you want it where maybe there are some injuries. You wanted them, um, you know, maybe a, a month earlier than other schools, which isn't a big deal. Um, if a kid gets injured, maybe it gives them more time to heal before the season. Um, so he, when he mentioned the reasons, whether surprisingly he didn't have uh, much to do with it, it was just simply um, he kind of just wanted to get things going and you know, with the new coaching staff and kind of just kick things off earlier than usual. I know uh, Rich Rod had a little bit of a tip with the media last year in terms of uh, their coverage of practice. Um, has there been anything you've been able to glean from the first three weeks, you know, given kind of the access being a little bit more limited than usual in springs past? Yeah, I mean, we, we've only been able to, we were able to watch the first practice um, completely, which, which was nice. Um, and then since then, we can't watch anything. And then Friday, um, the Pac-12 is going to show practice. We got rid of the spring game. Um, so it's basically it's an open practice uh, to media and fans. So that'll be the, the second time that uh, that we've been able to watch. But from from what I've heard and from what we've watched, uh, he's really stressing fundamentals. Um, they they're, Today is actually the first day they're going to be in pads for the spring. Um, but when I say fundamentals, I mean like the first practice, they worked uh, for a half an hour on where to put your hands as a defensive back. They're, they're reteaching tackling. They're reteaching how to get off your block as a wide receiver. I mean, they are really stressing basic fundamental football. And, and that's been a little different. It's something that he, uh, Rodriguez, kept saying he was going to do, and, and it wasn't BS. Even the players said that they appreciate it. I, I thought maybe some of them would be bored with it, um, but a lot of them appreciate it. They're really getting back to basics about how to do the little things because Rodriguez is convinced um, if they're able to do that, it'll make everything else easier. And despite having a completely new defense staff, they're not even really talking about scheme. They're just trying to improve each guy fundamentally, and they'll, they'll do the, the, the scheme maybe towards the end of spring and into the summer. We're talking uh, Arizona spring football with Jason Shear. He's the publisher of Wildcat Authority. You can follow him on Twitter at Jason Shear, S-C-H-E-E-R. Um, you know, Dave, I forgot to – see, we haven't done a podcast in a while. I forgot we're we were rusty. Sitting, we're rusty. Yeah, you know what we forgot to do? We forgot to do this. Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> Darn it. Uh, we missed our opportunity. We missed our opportunity. Well, I just – you know, in the middle of the interview, we can kind of do the opportunity there. You seize the opportunity. Right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, Jason, you've only got to see one practice so far, but with the, all the changes on the defensive staff, um, any rumblings about what's going on there? I mean, I, obviously it impacts a lot of stuff when you change an entire defensive staff. It's nice to get the players familiar with the new coaches and stuff. But like you said, it's, it's not always, you can't all really install everything by the first few weeks of spring football. How do you think that's been going so far with the defensive players and the new staff? It's a, it's a clean slate for a lot of them. Um, for instance, Shamar J. Cobb, uh, who came in a very highly rated linebacker, uh, didn't do anything his first year or so here, was moved to fullback last year and, and got a few plays for him. He's moved back to linebacker. Um, Daryl Cloy is the guy who's a tight end. Uh, he's moved to the defensive line. Um, they're trying to get bigger and they're trying to get more athletic. They moved, uh, Cam Benson, who was a corner. They moved him to offense, which I think he'll, he'll be much better at. Jarvis McCall is in the corner. They moved him to free safety. Um, so they're moving guys around. Their goal is to be a, a bigger defense. Um, you can tell that with McCall, for instance, they, they don't have a lot of depth on safety, which is why they moved him to safety. 
Uh, Coy is already one of their bigger defensive linemen, even though he was a tight end. Um, so they want to get athletic and they want to get faster. Um, but depth is really an issue now, and I think they're trying to find depth. They're giving a lot of guys spring from run that may wind up not getting it in real games, but they're really giving everybody a chance. And there's guys that, that didn't play at all, like Jamar J. Cobb or like Marquise Ware, who, who came in highly rated, and they're going to get every chance this spring and summer to prove that they can play. Um, because what happened with Jeff Castillo is the defensive staff um, of old, there's a lot of times with Steel, once you got into his doghouse, you were you were pretty much done. It was really hard to get out of, and, and he didn't really depend on that. Um, I think these guys are, are giving everyone a, a fresh start, and, and there's some guys that really appreciate it. And I mean, they're they're getting more looks in the spring than they probably did at any point, even the spring of last year. So it'll be interesting. I, you get the feeling with the two coaching staff that there's going to be guys playing that didn't play at all last year. I know there was some intermittent frustration, I think, from Arizona fans and also the coaching staff with Anusa Solomon's performance last year. Um, what kind of sense do you get of him? Um, is there even enough, you know, in the depth chart to have a real competition for that job? Do you think it's an open job, or do you think he's pretty solidified as the starter? I think he's the starter, but I, they want him to be pushed. Uh, Brandon Dawkins came into that Arizona State game, and, and he played pretty well, and I think they're using that as motivation for, for both Dawkins and Solomon, saying, you know, Dawkins played well, now we're going to give him a look. And, and I, I think Solomon's the starter. I, I think the coaches would even admit that. But they want competition. And the real thing to watch isn't Dawkins, it's, uh, it's Khalil Tate. And Khalil Tate is on campus already, he's participating in spring ball. And while he's not going to beat out Solomon as a starter, he offers something different than Solomon and Dawkins. So I think they're, they're getting him ready to play right away. And I think they're going to have a, a couple packages for him. I'd be really surprised if he redshirted. Um, and, and while I don't think he'll necessarily be good enough to take the starting job from Solomon in the early part of the season, uh, I do think he's a, kind of a, a prototypical Rich Rodriguez quarterback. So if he can pick up the offense and with his running ability, it'll be really interesting once you get around midseason. But um, it, it would take a lot in the spring and the summer for a guy like Dawkins to beat out Solomon. I think they do want to see Solomon improve and become more of a leader because he's not very vocal at all. But at the end of the day, he's probably right now still the best quarterback option. Hey, Jason, uh, a couple years ago, two years ago, Arizona wins the Pac-12 South and represents the Pac-12 South in the championship game. Last year, just three and six in conference, seven and six, um, overall. What are your thoughts on this team? I mean, I know you got this, you haven't got to see too much. Is it, is it feasible that this is a Wildcat team that can take a big step forward, uh, you know, through the spring and fall and, and get back on the winning ways and contend for the, the Pac-12 South title again? I think it might take a year just because with a disappointing season last year, Rich Rodriguez got rid of every defensive coach. So it's a completely new defensive coaching staff. It'll be a different scheme, different philosophy. And a lot of times you'll see a defense struggle with that stuff in, in the first year. Uh, I, I do think they'll be talented. They, I think they got help in the recruiting class um, in, in the areas they needed help in. And, and offensively, they returned quite a few guys. Um, but there's still going to be too many questions defensively. I, I do expect them to be a better football team than they were last year. I'm not sure if that'll show in the record, but I think it'll really show um, next season, two seasons from now, just because uh, I do think there's going to be some growing pains. And the coaches are kind of warning about it. Every time you, you talk to Rodriguez or you ask him about it, you talk to a defensive guy, uh, one of the first things they say is, well, I think we'll eventually have a good defense. 
But make no mistake about it, we're going to struggle a little bit in the early part of the season. Just because that 3-3-5, is, 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 it's different from what they're winning. It's different from either a 3-4 or a 4-3. Or, uh, the rumor, they haven't talked about the team, but the rumor is Arizona's going to be playing a, a 4-2-5. And, and they're very different. So these guys, these defensive linemen specifically, have to basically learn a completely new technique because their job changes 100%. They go from guys that basically didn't rush the quarterback to players that do rush the quarterback. So I think early in the season, they're not going to be very good defensively. But by the end of the year, I do think they're a better team than they were last season. You know, now that it's been a few months since kind of the hubbub at the end of the season with coaching stuff, um, how serious do you think Rich Rod was? How seriously do you think he was considering, I think it was the South Carolina job that he was in the mix for, how seriously do you think he was considering leaving? I think he got on that flight with the mindset that he was he was getting that job. I really do. And I think what happened from what I understand is he was basically offered the same amount of money he makes at Arizona, and the, the meeting with the athletic director didn't go all that great. And to him, he's very, very big on family. So even if he wanted that job, if his wife or, or son wasn't comfortable, he, he will not take that job. And so I think he got on the plane wanting to take that job and under the mindset that he was going to take that job. And then basically, um, the meeting with the athletic director didn't go that great. And it's, it's funny that that happens with football because it's the same thing that happened with Sean Miller in basketball with Maryland years ago. He went on that car ride to, to Vegas to meet with the Maryland athletic director with the intent of taking the job. And, and the meeting with the athletic director didn't go well. So Arizona has two, two good coaches right now, but, um, it, it came close. They came close to losing Rich Rodriguez, but the, the money wasn't right. And, I think some of the demands weren't right as well. So um, now that he, he's staying in Arizona, now that he didn't go to South Carolina, I think he's going to be here for, for quite a bit. Jason Shear, uh, publisher of Wildcat Authority. Jason, uh, any buys in the schedule this year? Because you know that was a big issue last yeah. year. They they do have a bye week, and it's in the middle of the season, so it actually comes at a at a nice time. So it, it'll be nice not having, uh, I think Rich Rodriguez brought it up every single practice and every single press conference last year. So, uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be nice not having to, to hear that. And they, they really were decimated by injuries and the no bye week made it, made it much worse, but it'll be nice not having to, to listen to Rodriguez kind of mentioned it every, every chance he gets. So, uh, last one for me, but, um, you know, obviously defensive schemes got to be the biggest question heading into this off season. Um, but aside from that, I mean, what's your maybe next biggest thing that you're looking to see something, something solidify? I remember last year you, you talked about center being a big one. What's maybe a position that you really want to see solidified heading into the season? Well, believe it or not, that's still, uh, it's still a competition at center. I think Zach Camila will, will get it, but it's, that's still a kind of an open competition. Uh, to me, wide receiver is kind of the question. Caleb Jones was Arizona's bigger receiver and, uh, he left. And so that it'll be interesting to see if Trey Griffin can kind of step up. They have big expectations for him. Um, he seems to be saying all the right things. And really, defensively, even though the scheme will be different, but the personnel is just wide open. I mean, if Arizona does go with a, a 4-2-5 and play four defensive linemen, I'm not even sure Arizona has four capable defensive linemen. So I, I think the real curiosity with, with personnel on defense, I mean, we have no idea who's going to play what position. There's barely any positions locked up. At corner, we know Devontae Neal is probably going to be one of the corner, but I mean, Cam Benson moved to offense and Jarvis McCall moved to safety, and those were the two guys that played at corner last year. So that's pretty much open. 
on then safety positions. Uh, I mean, they're open. How how's Arizona's defense going to be without Scooby? Who's going to play at linebacker? Derek Turturri's still out, but he's not in. Uh, Cody Toledo's coming off an injury. Scooby's gone. I mean, there's just a lot of questions personnel-wise. So, I mean, forgetting scheme for a second, we just don't know who's going to be playing on these now. Hey, Jason, last thing for me, too. Um, obviously, Arizona's got a great basketball tradition. Having spring football this early and you're kind of overlapping with the end of the, the Pac-12 basketball season, how the fans have been adapting to that? Do they, like if there's a practice and a basketball game on the same day, does people just not care about spring football that at that time, or how does that been working? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, spring football, I think it's early. It's not getting as much attention as usual. But, I mean, let's say Arizona schedule like the, the open spring practice on the same day as the basketball game. Um, there would be no one there. It's just this is a basketball town. It's going to be a basketball town. Um, spring football isn't getting a lot of attention. It'll be interesting what happens on, on Friday. They're making the practice at 6. Um, they're, they're opening it to everybody. They're holding in the stadium. But um, it'll be interesting to see how many people they get. But at the end of the day, I mean, like you said, it's basketball. and it'll be. It's always funny because when, when they do hold spring football during like the Pac-12 tournament, the amount of media that comes to football practice is like two or three people because they're all covering the uh, Pac-12 tournament, and it goes like that up until Arizona's eliminated from postseason play. So you've just got to have Arizona crater basketball as much as UCLA has cratered basketball, and then they'll all be at football practice. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> be great. All right, Jason, that was great. Thanks, man. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you for having me. All right, well, that was... A little Arizona football report. Now we're going to talk some Stanford football. We're going to talk, of course, Stanford Cardinal. With our buddy, our pal, we saw him in person at the live POC we did uh, last year. RJ Abadia from thebootleg.com. Follow him on Twitter at RJ underscore Abadia, A-B-E-Y-T-I-A. What's up, RJ? How you doing? I'm doing great, and I definitely am, am honored to be considered a fan, buddy, friend of this podcast, although I want it noted, officially and respectfully, I am filing this report under protest. Oh. we we got to know why. So, well, because I, when I went to Barney's and, and was able to participate in your, in your podcast of Epic Proportions, um, I noticed that sound effect for Stanford is a tree being chopped down, <laughs> whereas all the other schools get something that kind of glorifies what they are. Like no, Washington get, State gets a pussycat. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 no. I'm stopping well, you right you there. Know, on behalf of the Pac-12 North, maybe I'm piling the protest. <laughs> USC gets like an unsheathed sword, right? Yeah, and so, it's true. And, and UCLA gets the better bear noise than Cal. It's true. Yeah, well, that I'm okay with, but, um, yeah, I mean, the equivalent for UFC would be a guy getting impaled. I, like, we could probably do I that. Mean, honestly, if, well, if you switch that up, I won't complain, but otherwise, I mean, come on, give me, give me something. Give me, I, I don't even know what it would be, but a tree falling down, that's, that's just sad, guys. Yeah, what's the sound effect for a bunch of Greeks running out of a wooden horse? That would be probably yeah. the way to go. You like we get think, pe- people I running down wooden stairs or something? Yeah, something like I, that. Yeah, that'd be fantastic, you know. And then I don't know, maybe some team 
maybe a scene from The Revenant for uh, for Bruin. Maybe. Maybe. Okay, so RJ, we'll give you a little background because we have to. We're probably going to make some changes to some of our sound effects, as Dave mentioned earlier. Um, the Pac-12 wasn't exactly happy with our, um, our, our slogan and, you know, something we came up with, but it was, it was kind of built from a joke where we were just saying, well, not a joke. We did have millions of listeners. We do. Uh, well, we did up until the last few weeks. I think it's dissipated to like a few hundred thousand. Yeah. Cause we haven't done a show. They're just sadly downloading the old episodes over and over again. So it was more, that was more of a poke, I think, on ourselves than we're taking a shot at the Pac-12 network, but we don't want to like ruffle any feathers. So we can work on getting that changed. The, the sound effects, it's kind of a different deal. Again, that was done by one of our listeners without like really any input from us. Like he did, like we were looking for some sort of sound effect for each team and he was kind enough to go through and make one for everybody. So it was sort of at his discretion. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I know the Washington State fans weren't real happy with that. We haven't really heard from the Stanford fans. I thought it was kind of a good one, but, um, but that, that really wasn't, we didn't have any input into all those. It was really made by one of our listeners and, and we really appreciate it because we use it every week. Yeah. So, uh, just to, just to clarify then, amidst your wild popularity, you guys are so big now that you can outsource things like that. <laughs> takeaway number one. And then takeaway number two, it sounds like you have, was it Podcast of Champions that bothered the Pac-12? No, no, no. It was the uh, now, now in more homes than the Pac-12 network that bothered the oh, Pac-12. Oh, yeah. Well, part of our slogan. But, but honestly, it's an objective truth because more homes have the internet than have the Pac-12 network. Right. I, I would argue that millions more homes, as <laughs> right. you guys like to say. Yeah. Millions How more homes, I think, have have the little podcast app downloaded. If we even want to even get more specific, yeah. than have the Pac-12 network. I mean, we could say we're in more I homes thought, than ESPN because it's the internet. The you know. was, uh, I thought maybe the conference was asking for, for for podcast champions. I I know I for one, whenever I write conference of champions, and I do it a lot, I tend to put in parentheses the time of the last men's basketball championship. Um. <laughs> Which I would imagine would wrangle them if they ever read anything that I wrote. So, yeah. Good. When was that? 1997? Uh, that'd be the 1997 Arizona Wildcats. Yeah. 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 Go pack. It's tough to wear that moniker when, uh, you know, you're approaching, uh, well, 20 years. Well, sorry, sorry, RJ. We've actually already hit our limit of basketball talk on the uh, podcast today. Um, I think we hit it at about 12 seconds. So, <laughs> moving right along to Stanford football. Um, Stanford clearly, clearly the class of the Pac-12, um, and has been now for several years. Um, finally, having a little bit of turnover. Uh, Kevin Hogan, a longtime starter. Uh, graduated, and they're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. How's that competition shading out? Is it looking like Keller Christ, or is anybody else emerging as a potential possibility? Well, I think, you know, if you if you talk to most, most Stanford fans and most people that follow the team, most would be surprised if it ends up being someone other than Keller Christ. Um, I can tell you that officially, and in terms of the coaches, um, Ryan Burns is getting pretty much the exact same amount of rep opportunities with the first team. And Coach Shaw has said that he was more than willing to 
wait as long as 10 days before the September 2nd season opener to make an official decision. Uh, basically, what, what we're hearing from Coach Shaw is that both quarterbacks are going to get ample opportunity through the spring, and they're going to get a relatively light workload in terms of the playbook and, and expectations there. And that what was going to happen was that once summer started, they were going to be hit with um, – with a little bit more to see just what they could handle. So, you know, offensively, it, it, it's a race between Burns and Chris. Um, they looked very similar to me uh, last Saturday, honestly. I mean, they weren't being asked to do too many complicated things. Most of them, both of them spent most of their time handing the ball off, but they did have an opportunity to make some throws and some things in seven and seven. And I, um, I don't know. I didn't see anything that was too terribly different or something that separated one from the other at this point, but I think if you talk to most people, most people would be betting on Chris. Hey, RJ, uh, we talked to Jason Shearer about this. It's pretty early for spring football to be starting. Do we know why David Shaw wanted to uh, kind of kick off spring football when they did? Well, there, there are a couple things. Um, I think one they really like the split format. And basically, this has kind of been bracketed around uh, end week, which is basically the week before final exams, and then final exams the week after that, and then spring break. So uh, I think basically it was, a, it was just a confluence of, of reasons. They do like splitting it. So I think in terms of when were you going to start? I think if you started on the back end of those three weeks, then and you had a split session, then you'd be you'd be filling, you know, almost into May really. And I don't think they I don't think they wanted to be doing it that late. So I think it's just a combination of a couple things, just their preference for the split and the reality of, of where the academic calendar is. Yeah, I've, I've I've talked about this a little bit before. Um, the lack of uh any true understanding of when guys are graduating from Stanford because the stupid, I don't know, administration there grades things by academic years rather than athletic years. Uh, but it sounds like there actually was some turnover on the offensive line. Um, can you tell us how many guys actually are gone and what the prospect is for replacing them? Absolutely. So, yeah, and, and I know that that's not easy to follow, and I, I, I myself have to work really hard to, to – call these guys by what they are athletically in a way that other people can understand because it's uh, it definitely can be misleading but gone clearly gone are Graham Schuler who actually could have come back but chose uh, chose to pursue a, an employment opportunity that uh, he just couldn't turn down gone for sure Joshua Garnett and Kyle Murphy who both should in all likelihood be NFL draft picks and then also in Davidson also is not going to be returning to pursue um, a great job offer that apparently he got. So Davidson was one of the Hashtag older guys. things that happened at Stanford. Yes, I, I, I you know, I, I haven't been as uh, vigilant as I have. I should be checking all the other 11 schools, but I haven't yet heard of, of potential starters uh, leaving for just regular jobs. So, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So anyway, the point is, Davidson 
and Schuler could have come back, and Schuler obviously the starting center would have been uh, would have been expected to have that role. So um, all four of those guys are gone. So essentially, you're talking about replacing three of the five um, three of the five starters with uh, Johnny Casper returning at right guard, and then as of Saturday, Casey Tucker returning at left tackle. Although he played right tackle last year. And it's not set in stone that he's going to be slid over. Um, David Bright, who also played last year as one of the Ogre guys, uh, may have a say in the left tackle uh, battle as well. RJ, with the uh, the defense last year, uh, I thought performed really well. It was a, there was a kind of a question mark going into the season, pretty much being rebuilt. Um, what's the what's the defense going to be like transitioning from 2015 to 2016? How many guys are back? And you know what? What kinds? Of, what does it look like? Well, I think the defense. I mean, it's it's tough. If you go by position group, I think two of the three position groups should unquestionably be better than they were in 2015. And those would be defensive line, where Stanford actually has an almost full complement of defensive linemen instead of the three guys that they literally asked to play every snap last year. Um, so defensive line should be stronger. Uh, two really intriguing names there. Luke Kamatule, who has been kind of a positional vagabond in his time at Stanford. He's been moved from uh, D-line to linebacker to tight end, and he actually redshirted last year. He's back for his final year, and he's looking pretty impressive on the defensive line. So he could be someone that makes a difference. And also Eric Cotton, who's been a tight end at Stanford, has been moved over to defensive end. And uh, he looked pretty good on Saturday as well. So defensive line, and then you have, of course, the return of Harrison Phillips, who uh, had a bad knee injury in the week one game against Northwestern. It cost him all of 2015. He's going to be back too, although he's not yet participating in spring practice. So defensive line, stronger. Secondary, definitely stronger, because you have basically that entire group of heralded freshmen uh, headlined by Elijah Holder at cornerback returning for Stanford, and you also have Zach Hoffpower returning after a, uh, a brief sojourn playing minor league baseball, so, you know, kind of a la Tyler Gaffney did for the running back. Um, Hoffpower's back in the secondary. You also have Dallas Lloyd returning, and uh, there's a whole host of players on the corner that Stanford's really excited about. Quentin Meeks, the guy who had the pick six in the Rose Bowl, returns as well, so Defensive line, secondary, stronger. Linebacking, big question mark just because Blake Martinez, who had well over 100 tackles and well over, I think, 65 tackles more than the next guy, is gone. So who fills that void and how well they do it? Uh, big question at, at linebacker. So uh, give us your perspective on this season because I know two years ago was, I guess, the equivalent now of a down year for Stanford when they went I think eight and five, which just is incredible. That's a down year for Stanford. Um, what's your perspective for the season? Do you think it, do you think it has potential to be, you know, because they're replacing Hogan, because they're replacing so many offensive linemen, do you think it has potential to be, you know, an eight and five type year, or do you think they're going to reload and be, you know, another 10 and two ish type squad that's going to contend for the Pac-12 title? I would actually say that my best guess would be splitting the middle, and I'll tell you basically why why I think that. I think, first of all, when you lose Hogan and when you 
lose an offensive line that was as good as Stanford's was. Um, to say nothing of losing, you know, receivers like Devin Kajus and Austin Hooper, I just think it's going to be hard for a first-year quarterback to put that, that kind of offense together. And so I don't think they're going to be as good as they were this past year. However, I also don't think they're going to slide as far as they did in 2014. And the reason I think that is that the coaches have been really cognizant of kind of the things they did in 2014 when they were, again, assimilating four new offensive linemen. Uh, coach Mike Bluegren, who is the offensive line coach and the offensive coordinator, said, you know, looking back, he feels like he kind of overloaded those new offensive linemen, and it was kind of to their detriment. And so I think they're being really cognizant of that. And then, of course, you know, integrating a new quarterback into the system, it helps as opposed to 2014 when you've got a Christian McCaffrey who they just didn't want to use, and now they have a Christian McCaffrey who they're quite obviously going to use. So my guess would be somewhere in the middle. I think they're going to compete for the Pac-12 North. Um, if they went 10-2, and two, I would be a little surprised, but I'd also be really surprised if they went 8-5. and five. RJ, uh, I just looked up on my screen and saw Christian McCaffrey scoring another touchdown against Iowa in the Rose Bowl. Uh. Yes, and, and, and I'm sure there's legislation being proposed right now in the Iowa Senate to, uh, to stop that because that's uh, seemingly what they've spent their offseason doing. I'm not sure if Iowa's more upset with Christian McCaffrey or the Stanford band. They still seem to be not getting over the FarmersOnly.com uh Halftime show, which I thought was pretty yeah, funny. the band the band thing really struck a nerve. I mean, when you offend people to the point of literal legislation, I mean, even for the Stanford band, that's uh, that's new. I mean, you know, they they got banned from from South Bend for a while, um, but they were never legally uh, outcast. So, so break, breaking new ground. I, I my, I mean, look, my, my problem with it is, I just have a hard time believing they'd be that offended if they had won that game 45-6. Yeah. What, what was the yeah. legislation? For people who don't know, what was going on there? I... So, yeah, no, so so there was actual legitimate legislation proposed that, that Iowa as a school, and I'm pretty sure the state, I don't know the exact details, but they basically wanted to sever any potential contact, any association on a academic, like university-to-university level, I mean, basically, they just wanted nobody in Iowa to have anything to do with anybody from Stanford. And it was all a result of how upset they were about the Farmers Only halftime show. And, you know, they did get a strong talking to from uh, from the Rose Bowl committee as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, basically, the folks in Iowa just really did not enjoy that halftime show. And... Uh, their, their local politicians are doing what local politicians do, I guess, which is take advantage of anything you can to kind of curry favor. Yeah, I, I can't imagine Stanford being upset that Iowa decides it's not going to do any business with them from now on, but who knows. Um, Companies so, in the Silicon Valley are just worried now that they're not going to yeah. be able to hire more Iowa grads. Yeah, or... I, don't, I don't know where the venture capital money is going to come from now. <laughs> yeah. Those Iowa dollars stretch far. Now we're just being mean. We're yeah, being no mean offense, guys. Iowa. I love Iowa. That's fine. But just... Iowa's nice. Yeah. Iowa's great. Uh, RJ, so Keller Christ, um, does he do better on the days in practice where the defense is dressed in blue and gold? Like, does he, does he, does he perform better? Because I've got to know if he's going to, um, 
haunt the UCLA fans as much as Kevin Hogan did. So, yeah, no, I know, because I know earlier, earlier, or actually not earlier, but during uh, during the last season, I know part of your part of our pet series is there was some kind of, like, sleep time conditioning that Stanford yeah. did on Kevin Hogan to, to kind of make him as lethal as he was. As far as I've seen, there's been nothing explicit, um, explicitly done, but, you know, Stanford, they do a lot with that virtual reality stuff. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm sure there's some know, Pavlov's I mean, dog thing going on there. Like, it, they play the UCLA fight song, and it yeah it brings up his aggression level. Yeah, I haven't checked to see if he's got, like, an ankle bracelet or, you know, something, <laughs> a collar or something that, you know, anything bear-like riles him up and continues for those 35-yard dimes. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see about that one. I it's, it's always funny because you don't really think about it from the other team's point of view, right? You always pay attention to the guys who, who do it to your team. So it, it's just weird to hear. It was weird to, to notice that Bruin fans had taken note of that, aside from the fact that Stanford also never gets called for holding. Right. Right. <laughs> um, RJ, so when everyone's going into a season, you kind of look at the if you don't, you're not a real fan of a team. You look at the overall, you look at some chart that shows, oh, this, this team has eight offensive starters returning and seven defensive starters returning, which is a weird stack because it's sometimes the defense is terrible and you'd rather not have all those guys returning. You'd rather have some kind of turnover there with a guy like Kevin Hogan. There's been some criticism, but obviously he, you know, it was good Kevin Hogan a lot more than he was bad Kevin Hogan, but there's still going to be some people that say, I think Stanford could be better off without Kevin Hogan. I mean, it, do, you, do you feel that there's people out there that feel that even though Kevin Hogan did all these good things, there were some limitations and Stanford could actually be better with a, a, a younger, more, you know, maybe more, uh, just a, a better quarterback there? Well, I mean, I think definitely there's a level of quarterback better than Kevin Hogan and certainly Stanford would benefit if, if such a player were to materialize. I think that I think that part of the problem was that part of the things that he did really well uh, for a long stretch were not really being emphasized. And then the uh, the other thing about it is, is that, you know, he was pretty darn good by the end of his college career in terms of all those conventional quarterback metrics. I mean, his yards per attempt were among the best and pretty much at the best of any quarterback in the Pac-12 all year last year. And, you know, he uh, he's a running threat, so there was that. And then there's, you know, again, the intangibles. I mean, this guy had a serious effect on the huddle, and Christian McCaffrey was the first to talk about it. You know, he just had that Iceman attitude. So, you know, Stanford is replacing a lot in Kevin Hogan. Is it possible that the Teller Chris ceiling is higher than Kevin Hogan? Yeah, it's possible. I think if you look at just raw talent and, you know, just kind of just the pure physical ability, certainly with throwing the ball, although I don't, I haven't seen any evidence that Keller Chris runs as well as Kevin Hogan did, and that was a big part of what made Stanford successful. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're open to that possibility. You have a number of highly recruited guys. You've got Chris. Uh, K.J. Costello is coming in this year, and he's obviously very highly touted. So it's possible, but I, I would I would also say, you know, Really look back and look at what Kevin Hogan accomplished. Those are those are some pretty big uh, big seats to fill. All right, last thing from me. Um, I, I've come around on David Shaw being, you know, probably 
probably the best or second best coach in the Pac-12. I've I've come around, but he's still good for a game every year. RJ, what is that game going to be this year? Pick it right now. What of the 12 is going to be that David Shaw game where Ryan is tweeting about, why are you running the Wildcat over and over again? (laughs) What game is that going to be this year? Oh, God. Well, I'm going to... I'm gonna say if there's a game that may uh, that may get get to that status, I'll just slot it right in where that game was this year. Um, Stanford opens at home versus Kansas State. Um, obviously, Ooh. that's an opponent that is to be respected, without any questions. Just as just as Northwestern was last year, um, but. I think if, if, if there was anything going on last year that, that speaks to what you guys are speaking to, it was just this, just for whatever reason that Stanford was holding back significant chunks of the playbook. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have too much of a defense against it. I mean, you saw the game against Northwestern and you saw the rest of the year. I, I would be, I would be really surprised if, uh, if things were as buttoned down uh, late into the season. Now, with a new quarterback, maybe you will see game plans like that at the at the start. But, um, yeah, I'll just say Kansas State or, you know, wishfully thinking maybe it'll be right the last game of the year because if they have to pull out all the stops to beat right, I'm not sure what kind of a season uh, we're going to be looking at. Very <laughs> Very true, RJ. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this is, this is, the North is so stacked this year. I think the, so many teams are better. Um, you know, I think it's going to be tough to replace a Kevin Hogan. I, the reason I ask you that is I get the, all the same stuff from USC fans about replacing Cody Kessler. A lot of them are happy. It's, a, I think it's a different scale because obviously Kevin Hogan had a lot more on field success and I thought he did play really well. You know, he, he got to show out the combine and all of that. I think it's going to be a little tougher to to replace him, but having Christian McCaffrey just to start the year, I think you can be a little more buttoned up, but you know you have a Heisman Trophy candidate in your backfield that can do a whole lot of different things. I, I think it won't be as bad, RJ, to start the season a little more conservative, knowing you still have this you know ridiculous weapon to to go to. Yeah, no, I think that that's a perfectly reasonable thing, and the other thing that I think is going to happen. Is that, you know, these coaches, like, you know, I'm glad that Dave has come around on David Shaw. Certainly, Stanford fans have, have had a very similar evolution to what you just described. It's not like you were the only one to notice that at, at a lot of moments things weren't going as maybe well as they should have. But, um, the point is, is that the Stanford's got a really bright and really sharp offensive brain trust who really were spectacular last year. And one thing I'm sure of is they are going to be very prepared for teams that over-prepare for Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they still have a lot of talent at the skill positions, which is, again, not something you're totally used to saying at Stanford. But um, I I think the coaches are ready for defenses that are almost assuredly going to be stacked to stop him. So you take that into account. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think, like I said, they should not struggle the way they struggled in 2014 on offense. They've got a little bit better certain circumstances just about everywhere with the lone exception being you're going to have an inexperienced quarterback to start the year. Well, good stuff. Ryan, do you got anything else? 
No, I think that's good. We appreciate you uh, coming on, RJ. And sorry we didn't talk any basketball, but we're the podcast of champions. We focus on football. Yeah, no, that's totally reasonable. Stanford, um, I know we're, we're gearing up to defend our NIT championship. So, um, so yeah. Not if UCLA has anything to say about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I hear you. The, the three teams we all cover might all be in the NIT this year. They could. Well, USC, there's no way they're going to the NIT. Oh, no. They were in the last NIT. I mean, I, I, we've gone over our limit. I'm sorry, everyone out there. But um, in the last NIT projection I looked at, USC was a one seed in the NIT. They're, I think well, they're, they're a bubble team, for sure, like on the, the NCAA. Like, they've just lost five of the last six. So, I mean, there's... They're not. They're not really you know, peaking right now. You're. You're right on on all those counts. I'll just say that yeah. If they crater, if they no longer win, they'll be out. If they get a split this week, they're playing the Oregon school, right? Yeah. If they get a split or better this week, they're in for sure. I mean, they still have the conference's best non-conference win. They We're, beat. Uh, uh, they beat Wichita. They beat Wichita State. They've done a solid overall win count, they're, they're hurting themselves in terms of seeding because I think early, you know a few weeks ago you could have legitimately talked about maybe a four, five, or six seed. Now, maybe not so much, but yeah, I mean, they're going to have to, if they go 0-3 in, in their next three games, including the Pac-12 tournament, yeah, they're, they could be in trouble, but I don't see that happening. RJ, that noise you hear is all of the crickets from our fans who have all <laughs> turned off the podcast now that you've gone overboard on basketball. So you are you know. suddenly not? Are you suddenly not carrying an audience of millions? <laughs> we dipped out a little. That's okay. They, they all they all simultaneously turned off. It's the end of the show. We can talk a little basketball. You know, it's like it's like a news dump on a Friday <laughs> afternoon when the coach. You know, you have to fire your coach and you just kind of slide yeah, it out there. Right. <laughs> well, we're not we're not going to have this conversation in September or October, let's be honest, or August, yes. or ever again. Ever again. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, good stuff. Um, we're going to be back, what, Ryan, over the next few weeks with more uh, previews and reviews of early spring practice for a bunch of Pac-12 teams. So we'll be back being semi-regular again. Yeah, well, uh, semi-regular. Sounds like you're a fiber commercial there. But no, we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, we're going to. I thought it would be cool to talk to the individual um, you know, contributors from the different scout Pac-12 uh, sites, so we'll get a little more detail about each school going through spring football. So as spring football starts, um, we'll jump in. USC starts next week, so you can have me on as a guest, Dave. Um, but then, you know, we'll, you know, I try to get to the different publishers to find out when the schools are kicking off. So yeah, we'll, you know, two or three guests a week, um, just kind of talk about spring football and getting, uh, you know, rolled up into all that. All right, that sounds well, great. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be magical. Sweet. All right. That's RJ Abadia, uh, thebootleg.com, RJ underscore Abadia on Twitter at RJ underscore Abadia. David Woods, this is Ryan Abraham, and you are listening to the Podcast of Champions. Thank you so much for tuning in.